Hey guys, Reed Goosens here. Now before we dive into today's show, I quickly want to tell you about some exciting things happening in 2018. Now in a few months time, I will be launching my brand spanking new book appropriately titled Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And it is all the best bits from this show transformed into a book. Now, As you are all loyal listeners on this show, we are doing a pre-launch book giveaway. So what you have to do in order to participate in this pre-launch book giveaway is just shoot me an email. It's pretty simple. At info, that's I-N-F-O at readgoosens.com. And in the subject line, you can put the words Kraken book. And in return, I will shoot you back a link where you can go and pre-order your copy of my new book. Now remember, in that link, there will be an area where you can put the code Kraken, C-R-A-C-K-I-N, and that will enable you to get a discount. I want to thank you all for tuning in. The reason why I do this show is because of my loyal listeners, and this is a way of me giving back to you guys by helping you. You can pre-order the book and get it for free before we launch in a couple of months' time. All right, now back into the show. Most of the times, you're you're substituting your labor to go do something, to go lay on the floor of someone else's house on a Sunday afternoon, probably not because you want to be doing it. I mean, maybe you do enjoy that work, but I mean, e- even if you don't like your home life or the, the, where you're at now, you know, don't hide behind your work. Find things that are going to make you happy and go do those things. Because the, really, the, the, the concept of the time wealthy investor, when I wrote that book, it was really about becoming more time wealthy, not just, I mean, you, there's a financial component to that. But so many times, and this is exactly one of the biggest mistakes that I made, is that I never, not only did I not substitute my labor for, you know, for, you know, other people doing the, the lower end work that I should not have been doing, I had no business doing that. But also, I just thought that you get into this real estate mindset that more is better. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel so head over to reedgoosens.com click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right enough out of me let's get cracking and into today's show. Today in the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mark Dolfini, aka The Landlord Coach. Mark is a successful real estate investor, national speaker, author, and real estate investor coach. He believes in the, he's been in the business, I should say, for over 20 years and feels passionate about sharing his past failures to prevent others from making the same mistakes. His area of expertise is outlined in his book, The Time Wealthy Investor, and it lies in setting up business infrastructure that is scalable, it doesn't cost a fortune to operate, and gives real estate investors the work-life balance that they crave. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show, but enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Mark. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm, I'm amazing and remarkable. Thanks so much for having me today. 
Hey, man, my, my pleasure. Um, to kick it all off, I always like to ask my guests, my Kraken guests, as I should say, how did they uh, rewind the clock and how did you make your first ever dollar as a kid? You know, that is a great question. Um, I'm almost embarrassed to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a crack, mate. I'm, I'm, it's, there's no embarrassment on this show. Vulnerability is key. That's right. That's right. Just between you and me, though, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Well, it's funny. I, I grew up in upstate New York and I was always, um, I always loved the idea of, of doing a side hustle. And the funny thing was, I remember very distinctly, um, we had a vegetable garden and I lived in the edge of nowhere in upstate New York. So it was, it was pretty much a, a uh, um, just, you know, lots of land, lots of places, lots of things to do as a kid. But um, I remember growing in this garden from seeds, uh, squash, this butternut squash. And I grew this all summer long. And um, I remember very distinctly my first, I don't even think that I made a dollar though. So I'm not sure that this is a great answer, but <laughs> I made my first money actually selling vegetables at a vegetable stand that I built and wheeled to the top of my driveway and sold those butternut squash. That that's, was my, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's, uh, I know that's not embarrassing, mate. That's, that's the, it's, uh, it's better than my story, but uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I used to collect bags of, uh, you, know, you know those sandwich bags like with a zipper lock? And yeah. I used to put like handfuls, handfuls of just crappy dirt in it and pretend people wanted this like small, like this amount, <laughs> this much of dirt. And my, my mom used to give money to the neighbors to come and like, you know, pay me for the like bad, bad dirt bags. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> but it please. was just like, it was like, what, what's a commodity around here that I can sell? It's like, oh, there's dirt everywhere. Why not, why not put it in a bag and sell it? Anyway, it's, it's, that's, it's, that's right. awesome. So, so basically, so basically, you were in real estate even at that age. Exactly right. I didn't know it. I was just, I just looked around the garden. What can I sell? Well, I've already gone through all the flowers. Uh, I didn't actually grow vegetables like you did, but okay, there's dirt on the ground. People want dirt for sure, right? That's that's the thing that they want. It wasn't even, as I said, it wasn't good dirt. It was full of rocks and anyway, it's, it's so. It's, so your first real estate transaction was actually back then. That's, that's exactly amazing. exactly for twenty five cents. Yeah, that's exactly right. exactly. So mate, walk us through your journey, your story. You know, from from selling that butternut squash to all the way through to now to being the, the landlord coach and, and how you got involved in real estate. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a story. I'll tell you. I, um, I, I so <clears throat> when I, um, when I really, I really was interested in real estate as a kid, I, I really loved the idea the concept of owning real estate and being able to do my own stuff with it. But um, skipping ahead to where I actually really started getting into real estate transactions um, I, I was in the Marine Corps for <clears throat> for four years, and um, my first real estate transaction was based on um, with with uh, me buying uh, forty acres of, of property in upstate or uh, in uh, in northern Arizona. So <clears throat> I had bought that that property there, and uh, it was it was a steal. It was like two hundred bucks an acre, and it was just a a great deal. Figured buy it and hold it, and and that's exactly what I did. Buy it and held it, and, and made a little bit of money on the on the turn on that, but. But really, my I really don't count that as my first real transaction because once I get out of the Marine Corps, I came to to uh, Lafayette, Indiana, to get a, to uh, pursue my education, and uh, and I wanted to get out of the Marines. It was it was a great time for me, but it was also a great time to to move on to a next chapter of my life. And when I got to Purdue, I really started getting very interested in real estate and very and very intentional, very deliberate about what I want to do with my real estate um, with my real estate career. So I had, um, so I got into uh, buying rental properties, and at that time, uh, I really didn't know what I didn't know. So I um, started buying rental properties, and by the time I had graduated from Purdue, I had about a dozen rental units. I had about a half million dollars worth of real estate, and I once I started buying those those rental properties, I proceeded to make about. No, pretty much literally every mistake a person can make in the rental business. <laughs> so I made them all. And that's usually when people come to me and they're somewhat sheepish about, well, I made this mistake. I rented my, my brother-in-law and I knew I shouldn't. I'm like, oh, I've got way better stories than that. You know, I, I, I can, that's the one-upmanship game I can win. So it makes people feel pretty good about themselves after a while because I have made so many mistakes and I, and I, and I did it um, and, and, I, and I, it, it was not easy for me. And to the point where <clears throat> I eventually grew my real estate portfolio to 92 rental units. Um, and, and that was entirely by myself. It was about $6 million worth of real estate. And it was a complete and total disaster. It was, <laughs> it was nothing that resembled a business. It was a complete total mess. 
and uh, and things really uh, really were. I was setting myself up for failure, and I didn't know it uh, until 2008 2009 came along and really shook up the snow globe, and and it did for a lot of people. Yeah, I to- totally. <laughs> and just just so people miss that, you had bought about half a million dollars worth of real estate whilst at your university. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, wow. I I was I one of the things that I was learning was. I just really, I, I understand the idea and the concept of using other people's money. And I was, I was very dialed into that. I, my degree is in accounting and I had minored in finance, but, um, but really I was, I, I was able to do that through a, lots of different dealings and, and bank financing and non-traditional financing, but I was able to get that through uh, by the time I was, I was able to graduate uh, from college um, in, in that four years. That's awesome. Well, congratulations just on that feat because doing that and having that initiative as a young man, essentially, not, not everyone at Purdue would be having the same mindset, you know, mostly would be doing, you know, going and partying and going to college, you know, going out on the weekends and not focused on, on buying real estate. So, um, but I would love to get into, into a little bit more about the mistakes you made, because I think we learn most from our mistakes, right? And, and that's what your business is really set up on now is to guide people through, areas that you've, you know, you've, you've got your feet wet and in the early days you made mistakes and then you got caught with your pants down with a, like a lot of people did in 2008, 2009. So do you want to like walk us through some of the sort of maybe top five mistakes that you made as a landlord and really back to what you said, you didn't know what you didn't know, right? And that can be, you can come out and bite you in the ass, you know, uh, if you don't, if you don't be careful. So, so what were those sort of top five mistakes that you, you realized looking back and having that hindsight now um, being more experienced? as you are I well as as Paul Harvey might say here's the rest of the story <laughs> because <laughs> it wasn't 92 rental units and I rode off into the sunset and my Lamborghini it was more like um, <clears throat> it really more resembled a picture of the Hindenburg mm-hmm. <laughs> right it's kind of on its final flight and that's really where things really went sideways because not only was the economy about the tank. And it really wasn't about 2009. I mean, it really was not, my failure was not about that. It, though it did certainly didn't help, but my failure would have happened regardless because I was so time weary, you know, and I was working 20 hour days and I was working, uh, I had never substituted my, my time and, and, and turned that over to someone else. I never, I never turned that, never turned that over because I was so I was so uh, consumed with control and, and I never, I never really understood the idea of, of just because I could do something, it was not the highest and best use of my time. So because I had that need for control, because I had that need for almost validation because of my, you know, my beliefs that I, that I had learned and carried around with me, I felt like, well, I needed to do, to control this because I needed to, you know, prove everybody in my past wrong. And, you know, all these nonsensical things we drag around with our, um, you know, we drag around with us, but <clears throat> that need for certain certainty and those, those things that we, those core beliefs that we think they're just limiting beliefs. So, you know, I really, I was doing everything. I did everything from leasings to showings to the bookkeeping, the bank deposits, writing them, you know, paying the mortgages, collecting rents, uh, doing, you know, doing lease signings. I mean, I literally did everything, including the turns, cleaning, painting, uh, maintenance. It was, it was madness, absolute madness. So there was no way that that was scalable. And that was the problem <clears throat> is that I became the bottleneck for literally any progress in my, in my business. And <clears throat> so when I got these 92 rental units, there really was no, it was just this more is better mentality. And it, when you think about how many different families that you're affecting because you're not being able to deliver a consistent product, that sucks. Especially if you're someone that really cares about people like I do. And, 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 and you know, I have to live in the community where I really did some people sideways because I was not delivering on the product that I set for set out to deliver to them. And I feel bad about that. I really do. Um, And that's why I really want to make sure that I can teach people and bring them forward and not, uh, and not have them go through that because here's, here's again, the problem. Once 2009 hit and my revenues, my monthly revenues went from $65,000 a month to $30,000 a month, month and month and month after month after month, I could not catch up. I couldn't get my legs underneath me. So it was completely horrible situation. 
And I, I never, so, so as a, you know, as a military guy and a lot of people out there who have good work ethic, I never recognized that just because I have a good work ethic didn't mean that I should be doing the one that I should be the one doing all the work. I never stopped to, to think, wait a minute, this is a $10 an hour job cleaning or painting an apartment. My time is worth at least 25 or $30 an hour when I'm fixing a furnace or you know, whatever, or, you know, whatever it is that your skill set is, why in God's name am I painting? Because you don't recognize that you're actually costing yourself money to the tune of whatever you could be making to the, to the job that you are doing. So if you're worth 35 or $45 an hour in your job now, right, assuming you have a job, you know, amortize that over, you know, amortize your annual salary over the amount of time that you take to do it, including travel to and from work, your time is worth X. Okay, so let's say it's $50 an hour. If you're doing tasks that are less than that, now granted, there is going to be some of that that you're going to have to do in your business. But if you're doing too many of those tasks, you're actually costing yourself $35 to $40 an hour every time you do that task. So that's really the mindset that people need to get around is that time value. It's not just about time value of money. It's the opportunity cost when you're doing those low-end tasks. Well, I think you bring up a very, very good point that most entrepreneurs face when they start a business, solo entrepreneurs, right? When you were um, doing your business, letting go of control and thinking that you can do it all. And I'm, 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 I'm guilty of it. You know, most of the people on, on this show that come and they start out and they get these mistakes, they're guilty of it as well because, you know, from my background, I'm an engineer, so I want to take it apart and put it back together again and try and, and, and what you just said, just because you can control that piece doesn't necessarily mean you have to. And, and, and again, to that point that you just said then, it's a time value of money, right? And if you, if you can get someone in for 15, 20 bucks an hour and you're worth 50 or 70 bucks an hour, do it because you're going to lose money trying to paint some bloody walls. I can tell you that, right? It's not, <laughs> exactly. it's not, it's not worth your time painting walls. You need to be out there finding the next deal or making sure that, you know, as you're saying, the, back to you, I think you briefly mentioned you were not delivering a, a product that you, you, you'd sort of committed to and that was causing people heartache. So um, what else were, what, what were some other the, the, the lessons that were learned? Was that, obviously, that's the major one, the major piece, but were there any other sort of little tidbits that you brought out of that and what you now teach your, your, your students? Yeah, I never, I never learned to value my time in general and that included my free time. And I'll often say that if you don't value your free time, someone else will. I, I promise you that someone else will. And, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that shrill because, you know, I don't mean to sound shrill about that. I mean, I mean that very, very intentionally where when you have someone that, that is saying, hey, you know, my dishwasher is not working and you need to come over and fix it. Okay, fine. It doesn't need to be me that comes over and fixes it. But, it's, but if I'm spending, you know, I mean, let me put it this way. If I'm spending time away from my friends and family doing a, doing a task, it's either because I want to do the task or I have to do the task. Okay. Most of the times you're, you're substituting your labor to go do something, to go lay on the floor of someone else's house on a Sunday afternoon, probably not because you want to be doing it. I mean, maybe you do enjoy that work, but I mean, even if you don't like your home life or the, the where you're at now, you know, don't hide behind your work, find things that are going to make you happy and go do those things. Because the really the, the the concept of the time wealthy investor, when I wrote that book, it was really about becoming more time wealthy, not just I mean you, there is a financial component to that, but so many times, and this is exactly one of the biggest mistakes that I made, is that I never not only did I not substitute my labor for you know for you know other people doing the, the lower end work that I should not have been doing, I had no business doing that, but also I just thought that you get into this real estate mindset that more is better. And I talk to people all the time and say, they, they usually come to me as a coach and they'll say, Hey, I really, I, you know, I, I like what you're saying. You know, I'd love to have you work with me. I really want to, you know, I want more capacity in my life. That, that's something that I, I bring capacity. And I say, okay, great. What do you want to do with that capacity? And I say, you know, what's your, what are your goals sort of thing? What's your vision? And I said, well, I'm at 35 units now. I really would love to get to 50 why not 51? Right. <clears throat> and they go, well, you know, 50 is a good round number. I'm like, then why not 52? 52? <laughs> why not 100? 
52 is divisible by two. You know, it's, it's not a prime right. number. Like, right. exactly. Why not 100? Why not a million zillion? The number is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What I try to convey, and what this is something that I had to learn really, truly the hard way as I almost died in the hospital, and this is a true story. I got a cold back in that 09, 10 era. Got a cold, turned into double pneumonia, barely made it to the hospital, and I almost died in the hospital. And that is a true story. And I remember thinking, this is absolute madness. So really that concept of, of that more is better. And it really was not, I never focused it on a vision that is about life output. And that's, then that's what I wrote about in, in the Time Wealthy Investor is really about this, this VIP process, this VIP paradigm, the vision infrastructure process paradigm that I help people set up. And I'll, if I have a few minutes, I can explain that to you real no, fast. No, it's 100%. No, I want to I get into, um, mm-hmm. I, I love everything you, you, you're picking up, what you're putting down, because a lot of people don't understand. And, and I was explained, I, I had someone on my show, I can't remember who it was, or I read a book, and they're talking about the most profitable business is like a diamond, right? And at the top of the diamond is you, right? You as the the, the guy that that's doing it all. And the, and you got to and the way in which you look at your day is you got to chunk it to black, blue, and red tasks. So the black is like doing this. This is the podcast. This is what makes. This is what gets the engine driving, right? The blue is your day to day, replacing the dishwasher, you know, fixing a light paint and walls. And the reds the sort of admin stuff you don't want to have to do. And and really, as the business owner, you got to sort of be in that really predominantly black, but but blue time. I don't know if you've had any sort of any uh, experience with that sort of like chunking up your day to sort of maybe map it out so people can realize, okay, what's the best time and, and back to that sort of time value of money. Uh, so uh, the, the money value of time, um, it, it sort of relates a little bit back to what, you, what you're saying with how people can visualize it because I'm very much a visual person. I'm an engineer. I love to see it and I'm like, okay, love what, you, love what you're saying. How do we go and do it, right? Because the, the person listening to the, the show right now, they're like, oh, I love what Mark's saying, but what's that sort of, how does that look if I do have my 30 units right now and I want to get to 51 or 52 because people are coming to you saying, I'm stuck. You know, I don't know how to keep going the next step because they get to that point where they are trying to control everything and they can't let go of it. Sort of like this hoarding mentality. I don't want to let go of any of the, right. the processes right. because <clears throat> I'm too afraid that someone's going to, you know, excuse my language, fuck it up, you know? <laughs> that's, and that's, that's, that's sort of what it is, right? Because you just, right. as an entrepreneur, you're like, oh, I don't want to let go of it. But and I said, I've just said a lot of stuff, but what's your response to any of that? Because I think that is such a key message that people miss, right? That, that sort of the how to do it. I understand I'm stuck. How do we go and do it now? Right. And that's, and that's exactly what happens. I mean, everything you just said is spot on. Here's the thing. And this is, and I can't say that I climbed out of this, like I had this, this thought of this, this paradigm that I came mm-hmm. up with yep. and then said, okay, I'm going to act on it. This is, as I looked back, I said, oh, this is really what happened. And yep. then I and then I kind of carved out into making it into palatable bites for other people to do because trust me I'm not a I mean I know I'm an intelligent person but I am I am no genius and <laughs> I, and I figured out I mean I'm a marine for God's sakes I mean come on we're not right. known for our intelligence but but that said Don't sell yourself short mate <laughs> <laughs> when I when I went back um, uh, when I went back and I looked I said okay here was the problem fundamentally as I had a vision problem. I had a real big problem with my vision in terms of where I was, what, what was it for? What was I doing it for? Mm-hmm. Why would I want to go to 92 rental units at all? Because, you know, I could make a pretty, I could make a case that most people could make a pretty good living on, you know, $30,000 a month. 100%. Yes. Right? I mean, most <laughs> of your listeners probably could. Now, granted, if you want more than that for a specific purpose, because maybe that, you know, maybe your, your call to ministry, maybe your call to do you know, other higher level things that are, have nothing at all to do with real estate. Man, that really winds my clock. I love that concept because there's so many good people out there, especially in the real estate industry that they don't want to, they, they, they almost always say, well, I didn't evict them because I felt bad. Yeah. Because you want to run a charity, but it shouldn't be through your business. You should be running a charity outside of your business. If that's really what you're called to do. But regardless of whatever your vision is for the future, that was my problem is I didn't have a real clear vision of why I was doing it to begin with. So first and foremost, in this VIP paradigm is vision. And it really is about becoming about a very clear vision in terms of what it is that you want. Not what you want for your business, but specifically what you want. And I tell this story often and I'll share it real fast. 
when I, when I, I had this woman that I worked with as a coaching client, she came to me and she said, and she had, um, I think she didn't think she had 15 rental. No, she had 10 rental units. And she came to me and she said, and her life was just busy. She worked full time. She had an ailing mother. She, she had two kids and just, just very busy. And the husband was, it was kind of one of those deals where the husband bought the properties and the wife managed them. I really think it was kind of like, Hey honey, here's this problem. You know, you solve it, you know, sort of thing. Um, but I, I won't, I won't go so that, that, that throw them under the bus. But what happened was I said, okay, well, where are you at now? She's like, I'm at 10 rental units. I was, I was like, well, what do you want? You know, what do you want from, what are you trying to get to? Like, what's your deal here? Well, you know, what's your vision? And she says, well, I want to get to 15 rental units. And her life was already chaos. Her life was already just time weary. I mean, she had so much time famine already. And I said, okay, let's stop. So we, with several coaching sessions, we've kind of worked through a really clear vision in terms of what she actually wanted. And this vision was amazing. I'm just going to paraphrase here a little bit, but she basically came up with a vision that said, I want $32,000 a month in free cash flow. I want to be debt free. I want to move my mother because her mother, like I said, she was sick and she was ailing. I want to move my mother within a 10 minute drive of my house. I want to homeschool my kids and I want to have another baby with my husband. Are you kidding me? Like, I mean, that was goosebump stuff. I was like, holy crap. Two weeks ago, you said you wanted 15 rental units. You didn't even know why. Now you didn't mention anything that's anything but life output there. Now, granted, she wanted, she thought she wanted $30,000 a month or whatever it was in, in free cash flow. She needed, she needed far less, but she was so worried about leaving her job because she wanted to homeschool her children. She thought that she had to dollar for dollar replace her, her income. And she didn't, she, she, she's doing fine with much less. And she wanted to do this by November, 2019. And she's well on her way to that. So it was fantastic. So now that she's got this rock solid vision for her future, the next step in the VIP process is the I, and that's the, that's the infrastructure piece of your business. And the reason you go to I next is because when you've got a rock solid vision for your future, you're going to design an infrastructure that's in alignment with that vision. And, and I'll give you a quick example. So if your vision for the future is to, you know, spend two months out of the year rubbing cocoa butter on your belly on a beach somewhere, okay, I respect that. But you can't put an infrastructure in place that's going to require you to, eat, to return emails and phone calls in a timely manner if you're going to be laying on a beach for two months out of the year. Fair enough? So that infrastructure is absolutely critical. And it's infrastructure is things like your website, your your, um, uh, your, your software systems, your desk, you, you know, your, your laptop, your desktop, whatever it is, desks and chairs. You know, even if you're going to have an office, those are all things that are infrastructure. So once we have that infrastructure piece, you think of the infrastructure basically as the tracks. Those are the railroad tracks, the foundation of your business. You, you set them up, you, you put them in a solid foundation, uh, and they, 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 they generally, they don't move, right? You can move them, but it's a big deal to move. Because the last piece is the P. That's the process portion of the VIP paradigm. And the process is the train that runs on those tracks. The process is your, 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 um, your standard operating procedure, the rules upon which you'll operate. And it's basically, uh, you know, it's your, it's your protocols. It's, you know, how, if you're going to be collecting rent on the first or the third, it's, it's those sorts of things in terms of how you're going to operate. So when you put your, when you have a business that's running with that VIP, right, you're thinking this business now is a vessel that's going to get you down river. So if, if you want to get down river, a canoe is a good vessel for that, right? If your vessel is to get to the top of a mountain, a canoe is not a good vessel for that, <laughs> right? So now you can frame this, this business using vision infrastructure process to keep it all in alignment. And now you're going to be developing your, your, your ideal life output based on what it is that you want from your vision. That's, that's an incredible summary, VIP, vision infrastructure process. And I think to that story you just said about that lady who um, wanted to have another kid and homeschool and all the, the good part of it is that people get so consumed with not understanding or not being truly defiant on what their vision is, right? They, 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 I think I need this. What's it for? But as you just said, I think I need 30,000. I think I need 50 units. I think I need 92 units. But you, if you're not very clear on your vision, then what are you, what are you aiming at, right? 
What, what, what are you aiming at? You've got nothing. There's, I, I had another interview with someone who was sort of talking about targets and goals. And, it, and they, you know, because all of us, you know, I get a little bit sidetracked, but it's come, going to come back to it. Because all of us are so, we're winding, we're, we're winding, we've, we've got this chatter in our heads. I need this, I need that, I need this, I need this. And someone said to me, does it really matter if you achieve, you know, in my business, multifamily, a thousand units, you know, when you're 80 years old telling your grandkids, does it really matter if you've got a thousand units in 2018 or a thousand units in 2020? It really doesn't, right? But as long as you've still got that vision, back to your point, it sort of makes it clar- it makes it clarity, and you can able you can be very focused to then go on and do your infrastructure and your process. I want to get into those a little bit because I'm just I love that sort of stuff. It makes me tick. So let's talk about the the infrastructure and the process piece of it, and maybe some examples. I love your stories about people that have come to you in how you've helped them set up that infrastructure to then you know, develop that process to, and I love your analogy about the river flowing down the river because it's very easy to get in a canoe and just let it, let it take you, right? But it's very hard to build train tracks up a hill. <laughs> and, and, and that's, I love that. I think that's, that's bloody fantastic. So let's, let's talk about that for a little bit and, and, and about the infrastructure and the process. Sure. Well, the, the problem with infrastructure <clears throat> is that it's hard to notice when it works well. That's the problem. Um, if you live in a state that is run well, and there are, I mean, it's easy, easy to jump up and down on government, but you know, I live in the state of Indiana and it is really well governed. I mean, it is a really well governed state. And I got to tell you, and I'm not a super political guy and I'm not going to make this about politics, but I'm telling you, it is a great state to live in. And I grew up in New York, in New York state, which is not run well. And it's very expensive to live there. And there's people, there's net people leaving there because of because of the way that the, that it's run and that the, the that the infrastructure and processes just don't make any sense. Now there's always going to be things that don't make sense in government, but here the way things are run in Indiana, you just kind of go, wow, it just we don't have that problem here right now. We've got our problems, but it's nothing like that. So I'll, I'm going to give you a quick analogy in terms of an infrastructure problem and a process problem. So <clears throat> if you've ever been to a a let's say you've been to a McDonald's, okay? And you walk into the McDonald's and there's three registers with cashiers behind each one, okay? You walk in and the, the crowd of customers is kind of standing back away from the registers. And you walk up and you go, can I, can I go or is it your turn, right? Like, like you have this almost uh, this discussion with a stranger trying to figure out who's next, who can I go next? right? That's a problem of infrastructure. And it's so easy to fix, right? Because right now you're, you're allowing the customers decide who's next in line. And it's not even clear who's been helped and who hasn't been, right? We've all experienced that. So in this particular case, you install a, a queue, a, a rope line, right? Very simple piece of infrastructure. And then the customer decides when they're ready to order, they put themselves in the queue, Okay, that's infrastructure. So when, when infrastructure is there, you don't even notice it. You just kind of go, you walk in, you do the little line thing, right? You might feel ridiculous if you're the only one and you have to do the Zamboni back and forth, <laughs> but, but that's infrastructure. So when that's missing, that's the problem. I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna give you a quick process problem. Let's say we're back in that same McDonald's and this time it is very busy. And, and this time, instead of people standing back, you've got three and four people deep at every register. And what always happens is some assistant manager or somebody rushes in, opens a register and says, what? Who's I next? Can help, <laughs> I can help the next person, right? <laughs> well, that's a great way to start a riot because what happens is the person often in the last, the last row, you know, who just got in the line steps to the front of the row in front of everybody else. And it's not really his fault, his or her fault, but it kind of is. But you also just kind of say, hey, they just said the next person and no one else was stepping up. What should have happened is you get someone to go out in the crowd, usher someone, hey, we're getting ready to open that register over there. And then say, and then you, you know, give a hand signal and say, go ahead and open that register. Got it. And you sort of direct people to that register in order to make it not a a crazy mob. (laughs) Exactly. And that, and that's a process problem. Mm -hmm. So, so when you look at it in that way, fundamentally when a business is having problems infrastructure or process problems it's it's almost always it almost always shows up in one place in one area and that's communication so when communication and that, think about it in, in terms of our our analogy here both 
both in the first analogy of infrastructure and the second analogy in process, they're not communicating with their clients. They're not communicating with their customers. They're not communicating. It's, it's not sure who's next on the first analogy. In the second analogy, you're, not conve you're, you're, you're conveying confusion in terms of who's supposed to be next. So when you have a communication problem in your business, it's, the problem is not about communication. The problem is about something else. But it shows up, that's the symptom of the problem. If you have communication problems, if you're dealing with a property manager and you're having communication problems, they have a problem of infrastructure or process. If you're an individual landlord and you're having problems communicating with your residents or communicating with your vendors, you have an infrastructure or process problem, almost right. always. Right, right, right. Now, that's, that's, that's incredible. So how do you apply that or how can you see it in your business? So two questions. One how do you view it once you have infrastructure and, and processes? And two, how do you look, self-reflect if you're sort of a solo entrepreneur with 10, 15, 20 units to start outsourcing those infrastructure and creating the tracks and creating the processes? I'm going to tell you something, and this is not, this is not a plug for me, but is a, it is a plug for uh, a coach. You have to get someone else to look on the outside in. You have to. Because oftentimes you're way too close to the problem. I, I ended up getting a coach and it was kind of helpful, but kind of not, but who really helped me was my dad. My dad is a, he was a, one of the smartest people that I know, eighth grade education, but he just understood business and he built a multi-million dollar trucking company out of thin air. I mean, the guy was just brilliant at, the, at understanding that sort that side of things. Now he couldn't have broke it down as as uh, maybe as as clear as I did. Eloquently, but, yeah, very, yeah, but probably more swearing and things like that. Is you know, but but he was amazing at understanding that that the computer was really what helped drive a lot of that for him. But oftentimes you really are too close to the to the to the problem because a lot of times people want to want to blame the the tenant. Well, I had these tenants that did X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you something. Does McDonald's have a collections problem with their customers? No, no. Why? Because, because that, that clerk is not going to give you a cheeseburger until the, 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 you get in, insert yourself into the infrastructure and you go through the process. Simple yep. enough. Yep. I mean, you, yeah. can, you have, can, to, you have to pay for the goods, right? You, 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 if I want a cheeseburger... <laughs> You got to pay the two bucks or whatever it is, and if you yeah. want to pay, if you want to live under this in this unit, you've got to pay the monthly rent. And it's about infrastructure. It is simply, it automatically, it's just it, it, does the does the does the gas company come to your door and say, or the credit card company come to your door and say, "Hey, I need your payment this month." No, because they have infrastructure that says, oh, "Well, first they underwrite you, right, and then." There's a lot of that not going on. <laughs> so first they underwrite you and then they, then they insert you and they onboard you in terms of how you're expected to pay bills. You could, we're gonna, you could either mail you a bill or you could sign up for e-billing and maybe save a dollar or something off of whatever. But they insert you, they onboard you into the process. Automatically, the, these residents, they've never been onboarded properly. So if you create a very simple onboarding process to say, hey, look, um, the only way we're going to accept rent is through our website where you pay your rent every you want. You can use e-check or you can use a credit card or whatever you want to do. You pass the fees on to you, um, to them, to the resident. And uh, it automatically uploads through the, 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 the uh, property management software and automatically updates the resident's account. And by the way, it's getting deposited into your, into your bank account the next business day. I don't know about you. That's, that sounds like golden infrastructure to me. Right. No, and a lot of people don't see that when they're you know trying to control, and and I think it comes back to a little bit wearing too many hats and back to what you said earlier, like you're trying to be the landlord, you're trying to be the the, the the GC, you're trying to be the leasing agent, you're trying to be all those things, and I think identifying the vision in combination with what are the processes in the business for real estate specifically, we spoke about credit cards and and McDonald's because they have processes and we can all relate, but identifying those sort of processes is probably a very good start for someone in, in, in getting to your VIP scenario. So right. what do you encourage people to do when they first sit down with you, they first come to you and say, hey, Mark, I've got a problem. Are you, are you encouraging them to 
identify the processes in the business that they're, they're currently the bottleneck in? Well, let's, just, let's, let's fast forward and say that they come to me and they've got a problem and, I, and we've worked through their vision. Sure. Because almost always, again, it starts out with a really crappy vision. Right. Because, you know, they may just think that they've got, a, they've got, well, I just would love to get my tenants to pay on time. It's like, well, amen. <laughs> like, who wouldn't, right? But, but if you're not clear in your vision, you know, how can you possibly have clarity in your infrastructure and process? I mean, you might think that you're being clear, but, but and I don't know how much time we got left, but I'll try to do this really quickly. But the, the, the process, like I said, is a train. But the process is a train that pulls two cars. It pulls expectations and it pulls behavior. Okay. So it's process, expectations, behavior. So oftentimes when we're not getting the behavior that we want, and this could be from a, a, a tenant, it could be from a, you know, or, um, or a, an employee or something along those lines. But a lot of times if we're not getting the behavior that we want, what do we often do? We go and address the behavior. Okay. Or, or go, blame it for, right? Yeah, right. They go, oh, the, the, blame is even better. Exactly. We go, oh, gosh, the, 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 the tenant did X, Y, and Z. I can't believe that tenant did that. You know, and I'm going to go give them a piece of my mind. So they try to address the behavior. Why are you doing that? Maybe they didn't understand the process. Do you understand? I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I'm breaking this down very simplistically, and I'm, I'm going to sound, it's going to sound ridiculous me saying it out loud. But if the, if the resident doesn't understand the process, oh, like, well, I have to drive to your office and pay the rent. And man, it's just, I just couldn't get there on time. I, I ended up working late. And I just couldn't, whoa, 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 whoa. You could pay rent online through our website. It's like, oh, I didn't even realize that. So do you understand the process of paying rent? Do you understand that process of you can't show up late? Okay, you, you have to clock in before, you know, before this time, right? That's process. Like you have to clock in. That's the employee that's showing up late. That's the, you can't pay late. That's the process. And this is how we do that. The expectation is if you don't pay rent by the third or the fifth, if you have a grace period or the first or whatever it is, now you're laying out the expectation. The expectation is laid out in the lease. All your expectations are laid out in the lease. And your additional expectations may be laid out on your, on your FAQ, on your frequently asked questions on your website. Your SOP might be laid out like, well, what if I want to transfer units? What's, what's the expectation there? What are my, what, what, how can I understand the expectations? So, so getting back to understanding the, the, the process for paying rent, so do you understand the process of paying rent? Yes. Do you understand the expectation that it has to be paid by a certain date? Okay, yes. Now you understand that. Now let's talk about your behavior. Let's, let's address the behavior. And it can be addressed so much more clinically. You're not getting upset. They're not getting upset. It's like, and then it's like, okay, well, you don't want to fix anything. You don't want to do this. I mean, I've heard it all. I'd say, okay, I promise I'm going to address that. But, but right now you need to pay rent because you occupying the property dictates habitability. Therefore, you need to pay rent. Okay, but I promise we're going to address the other thing, but do you address the behavior? Process, expectations, behavior. Because to, do, to, to address the behavior first is the tail wagging the dog. And it's just, it's a license for frustration. Sure. No, I love it. Just to process expectations, behavior. I think that's really, really important in defining the processes, defining then the expectations. And if you don't have either or, it's very hard to then address the behavior, right? So it's sort of like, <laughs> you, right. it's just this vicious circle that you just keep going around. Um, but no, but Mark, look, I want to be very conscious of time here. And I want to just, you know, I want, I do want to, I could talk to you for hours, but I do want to, I do want to get into the final little segment of our show. And that is um, to give me your top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? I really am. What, has, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? That's a great question. Um, I, I write my vision every morning and every night. Vision. That's great. Yep. Every, every morning, morning and every, every night. Morning. I write it down. So you're big. You're a big. Get it out of the head and onto a piece of paper type of guy. Yep. And and the, and 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 the act of physically writing mm -hmm. is is big for me. I, I I don't know what it is about the mental thing between piece of paper and a pen mm -hmm. and writing. It's like you own it. And yes. all of a sudden, when you get it out there, you're like, oh man, but someone might see it. You're like, <laughs> maybe they will. And then that means you have to own it even more. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm 100% I'm the same. There's all like to-do lists, there's smart sheets, there's all these things out there. They're great for storing it, but I'm also very much a pen and paper type of guy. I've got a very thick, 
uh, I don't have it on my desk, but a very thick uh, book, a journal every day of what, what's happening for today, what's happening for the week. And it just, it's out of my head and on a piece of paper. Fantastic. Um, who's been the biggest influence in your life uh, to date? Um, my dad. My dad, my, my dad passed away a year and a half ago. And Sorry, I've got to tell you, yeah, thank you. But I'll tell you one thing. I, if he were here sitting next to me today, there's not one thing I would say, except probably just to catch up on another story he would tell me. Um, because there's, I left nothing on the table with him. That's because awesome. near, near the end of his life, I had time wealth. And mm-hmm. I was spending a lot of my time with him and it was amazing. And, mm-hmm. and I, I am so, so incredibly grateful for that. That's awesome, man. I, I, I'm in the same boat. It's actually my, it's my mom's birthday today, and uh, she passed away in December last year. So it's a, it's a first year. It's been very tough today, but I was a little bit, you know, my time wealth has only just changed recently, and I wish I'd been spent more time with her. And it's, it's, you know, for a whole other story. But I, I hear where you're coming from, and yeah, today's a, a excuse my language, a shitty day for me because of her, it's her first birthday since she passed. But yeah, if she was sitting here, she she'd hear the same sort of stuff you saying. And I'm sure your dad's extremely proud of you, and you know that you could identify in him that he was able to start a trucking business out of nothing and even if he didn't say it as eloquently as you about all the processes, he still went off and made it happen. And that's, that's, that's a bloody awesome. So, Absolutely. so well done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm sure your mom would say the same thing. <laughs> yes. I, I think she would, but yeah, but thank you very much. Um, <laughs> what's the most valuable tool in your business, whether it be software or hardware related? If I'm, if I'm going to go, not the landlord coaching business, but if I'm, yeah. I'm going to go specifically to the property management side of things, um, it is the property management software. It which is, is abs- which is property boss. I there are others that I endorse um not like I, I like I, I like property where there's others I don't like which um and here's the litmus test for that real fast you it needs to be it needs to be customizable mm-hmm. and they all say that they are all of but them they're not <laughs> they're not if 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 they're saying to you they're selling you a package that where the, it's you open the box and basically plug and play that's not customizable. Your software needs to tell you how the business is running, mm-hmm. but you get to program the software in terms of how you want it to run. And Property Boss, I'm telling you, it, people don't like it for the reasons I like it. I like the fact that it's that it's very granular and there's lots of ways that you can customize it. Um, same with Propertyware. I like Propertyware for the same reason. Um, I use Property Boss because I like how it integrates with QuickBooks. And I, having an accounting background, that's that's a big thing for me. And that's another so, process, right, that you can identify and then identify the infrastructure in which you can mesh the two together to make sure it's one's talking to the other because those train tracks aren't there for are there for a reason, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Mate, what's been – we might have already touched on it, but what's been the biggest failure, just quickly, in your life and what did you learn from that failure? Um, it really was um, – being it, it really was not valuing my time and really trying to be too much in control yep. and and i i i paid for that in spades yep. and um and now i'm i'm very grateful that i that i learned that lesson and now i get to help hopefully help teach it teach that to others that's awesome mate Last question is, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be more in your sphere. They want to be more up in your grill. Where, where do they go? <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm on Facebook, of course. Um, it, it's Landlord Coach. I, I post a lot of stuff that's on there that's usually nonsense that no one should read and, and really shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't share. But uh, I love, I'm, I'm there. I'm on Instagram. Uh, but my website is another, another way, and I'd love to offer this to your, sure. to your listeners. Is, um, is Go to landlordcoach.com forward slash cracking. And, um, and I will have a free download for the, the book called The Judge. And it's a, it's a fast read. It's not anywhere as heavy as the, the Time Wealthy Investor. I am getting ready to release a revision of the Time Wealthy Investor called the Time Wealthy Investor 2.0. Um, I'm just waiting on, on some final wrinkles to work out with that. But The Judge is really about a guy who's working uh, a job. He's got some rental properties on the side and, uh, and he thinks he's got it all figured out. But he really doesn't. He's really struggling. He doesn't know it yet, but um, but it's a quick read and, and there's some good lessons in there. Awesome. Awesome, mate. So the, the landlordcoach.com slash cracking, C-R-A-C-K-I-N-G, right? Yeah. You said the, but it's it's landlordcoach.com. Oh, la- la- landlordcoach. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. That's okay. It's landlordcoach.com forward slash cracking. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, mate, I want to thank you for dropping by. I really enjoyed the chat today. Just to summarize some of the things that I took away from it, I think the biggest thing, obviously, your message is about you know valuing uh, valuing your time and, and what you said earlier on about if you don't value your free time, someone else will. I think that was really huge. And then getting into what I love and what I'm really into now and the juices that make me flow is the VIP vision, infrastructure, and process. And then how the process and the expectations dictates behavior. I think that was... There's some bloody cracking nuggets there. If, if I don't know, what, golden cracking, whatever. But there, there's some really good tidbits there that just summarize everything as a whole and how, as business owners, as entrepreneurs, you've got to step back for 30 seconds and take a look. And if you can't do that, as you said, get a coach. I've had coaches in the past. The best football teams, soccer teams, sports teams, they have all have the best coaches so they can look at a player and say, hey, you need to change a few little bits and pieces like this in order to be a better player or a better, you know, and, and the same applies to being a successful business uh, entrepreneur or an investor. So did, did I leave anything out? Oh, I think the other one was communication. At the, at the end, that's where I wrote it down here. Communication was really key. So um, processes, expectations, behavior, but it all relates to communication. I think that right, was just- Right, yeah, because really if, if, you're, if you're having problems in communication, it's almost always a symptom of something else going on. Right, no, that's that. And, and, and that's the 99% of the problems are communication related, right? You, a is not talking to B, is not talking to C. So right. um, yeah. And that's, and that's because something in the infrastructure or process is failing. Hundred percent. No, love it, man. Loving, loving everything you're putting, you're putting down, mate. I'm picking it up. But uh, again, thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll catch up soon. Reed, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much, and uh, good luck to all your listeners. Well, thanks guys for joining in. Now make sure you do check out our website at reedgoosens.com forward slash podcast to check out all the show notes from today's show. All Mark's um, infrastructure will be up there, all his blogs, all his you know websites and uh, access to his books. So make sure you check that out. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we'll do it all again next week. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Bye.